it was probably one of the most embarrassing and heartbreaking moments of my life. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bad Times Good Stories Podcast. My name is Joe Flanders. I hope that you are just having the best goddamn week ever. Uh, I'm having a good one. I'm really excited to share with you the conversation I had with my uncle, Chris Beersack. I imagine most of you that watch or listen to the show... um, know me through Average Joe or The Andy Show or any of the things that I've done with my cousin Andy Beersack, the lead singer of the rock band Blackfell Brides, and uh, the solo career that is Andy Black. Um, if that's not how you stumbled onto this fine program, then I highly suggest you check it out. Uh, check him out. Check Average Joe out. Check out the stuff we do. Um, but uh, Chris is Andy's dad and my uncle, and... Um, I've been wanting to have him on for a while, and given that I was back in Ohio, uh, it seemed like a perfect time. So we talk about a variety of things, Chris and I. We talk about the worst breakup he ever experienced. Um, it's a pretty royal fuck you that he was that he was given, as uh, we as we discuss. We also talk about a, a weird priest situation that he encountered as a as a kid growing up in the seventies. Uh, it's nothing too traumatic. Uh, it's just a weird thing that led to a conversation about uh, what people thought of priests then and now. So that's kind of an interesting conversation that Chris um, brought up. He just watched the Michael Jackson documentary, and uh, yeah, that was interesting. Um, and then last, we talk about Chris's experience going on the first nationwide Blackfell Brides tour when... Uh, Boy, these are humble beginnings. Um, Chris was basically doing everything. He was the manager, the tour manager, uh, all the positions that aren't coming to mind right now. But he was basically doing everything. And um, he talks about that, which sort of climaxed with him uh, driving through a blizzard in Texas and nearly dying. So uh, as I tell him, I'm glad he's here to tell the story. But more importantly, I'm glad he's here because he's family and I love him. And... uh, I really appreciate him coming on. So, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, give us the goddamn five stars. We're so close to 50. We got 48 reviews, I think, right now. So, um, give us the five stars on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, It would mean a lot. So, if you're a long-time listener or first-time listener, just go ahead and uh, support the show. Please. Thank you. Uh, you can also check out badtimesgoodstoriespod.com for past episodes, merch, and a link to the Patreon page to support the show financially, if that is uh, an option for you. Lastly, you can email me at badtimesgoodstoriespodcast at gmail.com, and uh, maybe I'll read your bad time good story on the air. Real quick, I did want to mention, uh, I did shoot this in Ohio when I didn't have my, my full array of uh, sound equipment. So I think it sounds good. I think it's solid. But uh, please forgive if it's not quite up to the excellent standards that I've created with this podcast. And if it really bothers you, this is a free show. Get off my back. That's all I've got for now. So without further ado, 
Here's my conversation with my uncle, Chris Beersack. How's it going? Good, man. It's great to have you back in town. I know. It's been it's been nice to be back. I've been uh, listening to your podcasts, uh, you know, the the Bad Times Good Stories podcast, and of course all of the uh, Andy Show podcasts. So I feel like I at least have a regular weekly connection with you. But it's yeah, good to have you here in Cincinnati. Yeah, not the weather's not too bad, and uh, I'm happy to be here. And we're having um, whatever the fuck these are. Yeah. Bottom shelf, maple, <laughs> maple liquor. liquor. Yes. <laughs> so if you're watching, you're just going to see my face get more and more red as I. Oh yeah, I drink. forgot about that. The Flanders yeah. curse. Yep. Yeah. Yep. One of many Flanders curses. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's a number of them. It's a good family though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that uh, that is true. Um, so we've got uh, this is one of my more favorite types of episodes where we're, we're going a couple different directions. Today. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is a, this should be, this could be, uh, interesting, upsetting, <laughs> confusing. All of them. All I've, the had a, I've had a lot of bad times. Yeah. Which is why I thought, <laughs> but hopefully they lead to good stories. Good stories. Exactly. <laughs> um, so my challenge will be, now I only know the bullet points, uh, so my challenge will be trying to find, you can grade me as it, as it goes, the segues from one to the next. Okay, like, uh, good. I pride myself on my fantastic segues. You, you, uh, why wouldn't that you? no one else thinks are fantastic. Right. The self-appointed fantastic no, segues. Do um, so you want me to grade you as it goes? Sure. Like literally yeah. yell out, yeah. that was a good one? Yeah. All right, I'll try it. Or bad. All right. And then I can, you know, we can do a you learn on the try again. <laughs> Are you going to edit those out? or Maybe not. Just leave it all? I've just... gotten to a very freeing point with this podcast, Chris. <laughs> okay. First, I guess we're going to start with some good old... Now, I was going to say heartbreak. I don't know if, if it goes that far. At the time. At the time. It was probably one of the most embarrassing and heartbreaking moments of my life. But in retrospect, after I tell the story, and I've told it many times, uh, it's now kind of funny. Good. Especially 30-something yeah. years into my marriage. Sure, yeah. It's not like... It would be a problem. I mean, <laughs> as it turned out, as it turned out, it wound up being a tremendously good thing for me. Yes. But at the time, at that exact moment, it was probably the most embarrassing thing. And I would say... One of the most well put together uh, fuck yous that I've ever, I've ever experienced. Well, I love a good, well orchestrated fuck you. It was. So. It was. <laughs> it was. A, I mean, it was kind of. It was juvenile, but it was definitely well orchestrated. You'll as you'll hear. Well, great. So this was um, this was in college, right in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, when I was a freshman uh, in college, uh, I went to the University of Cincinnati, mm -hmm. and uh, my girlfriend at the time. Uh, went to Xavier University, which okay. is like a smaller wow. Jesuit school here in Cincinnati. I actually wound up getting a master's degree from there years later. But at the time, I was going to a big state school. You yeah. see 40-some thousand students. I was, I was at the College Conservatory of Music. Uh, that's where I, where I majored. And so my friend group and the people that I knew and, and the people that I was, ex that I was kind of becoming – uh, familiar with was like this big, wide group of, of different people from all different cultures and experiences and everything sure. else. It was really cool. And then my girlfriend was going to Xavier, and it was pretty much the same kids that we all went to in high uh, went to school with in high school. 
Oh, because okay. we all we she went to the girls' parochial school, a mm-hmm. uh, high school. I uh, and I went to the what they call the brother or the she was the sister school okay. of ours. I went to a parochial high school, and so that's kind of where we met each other. Okay, all right. So now it's freshman year. Is this the same girl? Were you dating her in high school? Um, yes. Okay. Very very serious. Uh, I'll just say it. My first love, first, okay. first yeah. girl that I really that I kind of fell for and uh, that I loved. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was not the best boyfriend in the world, though. Why is that? I was in bands. Ah. I was a lead singer of, a, of rock bands, and, <laughs> and that's kind of, uh, they don't necessarily go hand in hand. With, with a healthy relationship. With a healthy relationship. <laughs> no. No. So. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't the best boyfriend. I okay. tried. I mean, probably, I, my, in my heart I was. Yeah. But as a teenage boy and even in early my early years of college I probably wasn't the most faithful of boyfriends I got just so I just set that up to sure. let people know in advance yeah the that and did she bust you on this ultimately she did Joe <laughs> because when I tell this story sure you're gonna, you're gonna find out all right she did. I buried the lead there that's all right <laughs> okay um, all right so how long have you been together uh, we started dating probably around uh, uh, my senior year of high school, okay. early in my early, very early in the senior year of high school. Okay, and uh, wound up uh, together for maybe it was my junior year, but regardless, it was two or three years. But by, by this point, okay, and point at that point, guy. as a first love, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's a huge longest... portion of your life, right? Yeah. When you're seventeen, eighteen, or nineteen years old, whatever it was up until that time, that's a sixth of your life, right? Yeah. Six of my life is a long time now. I hate to say it, but it's definitely a long time. Okay. All right. So she's hanging out with all the high school crowd. You're hanging out with a lot of a diverse bunch of yeah. probably more interesting people. Yeah. Probably, I mean, you know, I'm 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 in a, I'm in a, the theater department at okay. College Conservatory of Music. So it's I'm around people that are completely different to what I was ex- uh, used to. Right. At uh, the high school that I went to here in sure. Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay. All right. So things are going along. So overall, things are pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know, she knew I was in the in the bands. Yeah. And so she would come to see me play mm-hmm. uh, in the bands that I that I was in different bars and clubs around town. Um, so, but you know, it's hard to be a girlfriend of a guy in a band sure. when other girls would literally walk up uh, to you during your set and stick their phone number in your pocket. Yeah, that, that's one hard time to we see. were playing at one time we were playing a show in uh, at the uh, what was called the Islands, which was a uh, a restaurant bar on the Ohio River, floating restaurant. Oh wow! And um, a girl tackled me and uh, during the set, and and we both fell into a swimming pool. So she and she was there for that. So <laughs> it wasn't easy. I'm not. You yeah, know, yeah. You know, it's just a we- it was a weird set of circumstances, sure. but. Um, but you know, we were we still stayed together. The only thing about her family, which was kind of weird, was that her family was incredibly conservative and incredibly Catholic. Okay. I mean, you know what Catholic is because sure, you yeah. grew up in it, and you know what incredibly Catholic is because our grandparents, uh, you know, remained that way uh, right. through your life. Mm-hmm. But these people were like, like beyond. Catholic. Okay. Okay. Sure. And yeah. In other words, they probably had a, some pictures of the Pope, at least 
two of them yeah. in the house. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And they didn't like me. Sure. I yeah, had uh, a rock and roll guy. Right. I was a rock and roll guy. I had, uh, you know, all the accoutrements that went with that. I had some tattoos. I had um, a bat long, like a cross earring like Andy wears. Sure. I had, uh, my hair was uh, either bleached kind of in a Billy Idol style mm -hmm. or it was black. You know, I mean, think yeah. of Andy. Right. At that age, yeah. and it's it's similar. Okay. Let's just put sure. it that way. I so, buy that. And but she but she was a really nice uh, girl, and I and I and she like I said, she was the first girl that I really connected with on that level. So we stayed together despite the the her being so different from me. Mm -hmm. She was cool. I liked her, but her parents and her family, uh, particularly her mom and dad, were very conservative. So does that mean like? You know, obviously, I would imagine no sex till marriage or anything like that. That's what they wanted, the parents. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and they saw you as the complete opposite of that. They're like, oh, I don't if think she, this is going to work out. If she was dating me. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> if, if she was dating me and they saw the way I looked. I mean, I, yeah, I'll give them that. Sure. I'll, yeah. In retrospect, I'll give them that. If that's your mindset, if you're not looking at what's inside somebody's heart, right. and you're just looking at the outward appearance, right. I was not the ideal boyfriend for any uh, young girl who was at a parochial girls high right. school. Yeah. I was the guy who, if you were looking to piss your parents off, <laughs> you would bring me home. You could have started a business doing right. that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was me. Okay. All right. So now it's what? Sophomore year of college? Yeah. Sophomore year of college. Okay. And we're still off again, on again, but I'm trying... To reconnect. Yeah. Um, this is right uh, before I went into a uh, fraternity in college, which is something that you have to understand I never would have contemplated doing. But I was trying to show her that, you know, it's despite all my other things that I do, that I can also be a part of that world. Right. Yeah. Okay? You can play the college game. Right. You know, right. right. Yeah. So um, early in the, in the fall of my sophomore year, I go to her school and I go to a choral performance. Okay. It was like a whatever you want to call them. The the I'm trying not to use the name of the school. <laughs> <laughs> They're the let's just call them the Musky Singers. Sure. Okay. Let's yeah. just call them that. Musky Singers. Yes. And uh, I go to this. I go to the uh, the performance, and I'm going to really make a, a concerted effort because we're getting older. Yeah. And I want her to see me in a different light from what she's always seen me in. So we go to this performance, and I am dressed up nicely, as in I'm wearing a suit, which was okay. very rare um, in those days. Probably a, a leisure suit, whatever. <laughs> I don't remember, but <laughs> think of Miami Vice. Sure. Yeah. That was the Don Johnson look. Right, I, probably had, I probably had shoes with no socks on or something like that. <laughs> Trying really hard to look like Don Johnson. But anyway, I went to, I went to, uh, to the, uh, the choral thing, and I brought roses with me. I brought, I brought flowers. Uh, I don't remember the specific reason why it was. It could have been close to the time that we started dating because... This was in the fall. I believe, I believe when we first started dating, it was we were in a production of a play together at uh, the Herp School, okay, uh, a musical, and so that's when we kind of connected and started dating. So it might have been about an anniversary type of thing. It could have been. I can't. I can't recall. Sure. But I do know that I brought the roses with me, and I went to. I sat through this whole performance, 
And then, like you do, after the end yep. of a show, quite often you will wait for the person that you came to see. Yeah. Very customary. And you want to congratulate them on doing a fantastic job and give them the roses. Give them the blind. That was great. Yes, Regardless exactly. of how it was. It, right, exactly. I've received and given multiple of so I So I'm standing outside their dressing room. Yeah. Uh, and people are coming out and saying, are you Chris? And I'm like, yeah, oh, oh, uh, she's going to be, I won't use her name. Yeah. Let's just call her uh, C. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> C is going to um, be out here in a, in a minute. She's been, she, she's been looking forward to you being here. And then I was like, wow, that's really cool. She's telling yeah. all her friends yeah. about me at school and everything. Video. She's all excited and everybody <laughs> knows. And then another one comes out. Uh-huh. And it's another friend, and she's like, "Oh yeah, C is in there, but but uh, it's she'll be out in just a little bit." And I'm it's it's starting to get a little peculiar to me, but yet my ego is making me believe <laughs> that she's so excited to see me sure. that she's telling everybody yeah. about me being there. Right. <laughs> so I'm standing there. I'm standing. It's probably about twenty minutes. Okay. Outside. Yeah. Normally, if you're if your boyfriend or your girlfriend are inside and somebody finds out that you're out there, they come out right away. Right. Yeah. This is taking forever. And I'm standing there and these people are coming out. And I'm in this hallway. I'm standing there with like roses, like a freaking door. <laughs> and and um she comes comes out, but she doesn't come out by herself. Okay. She comes out with like the entire almost the entire cast of this. Choral performance. The, the people that were wow. there. Okay. All right. And <laughs> they're going to serenade you with songs. It's so <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's like, is she going to introduce me to every single one of these people? Because this is weird. Um, and as it turns out, it was almost in my mind. Now going back on it, maybe it wasn't this way, but in my mind, it was like all of a sudden the whole group like split in half. Okay. And then there was this guy standing next to her. And then they made an announcement that this is her new boyfriend. What? <laughs> what? Oh my god. And so <laughs> I'm I'm standing there with an like 20 people looking at me. Yeah. Trying to gauge my reaction of being dissed. Yeah. What? <laughs> what was your reaction? Uh, heartbreak. Yeah, to be well, honest with you, I yeah. didn't. With uh, without sounding too sappy about well, it, no. it was number one. It was embarrassing, clearly. Yeah. But number two, it was like, wow, how how bad have I been? Right. As a as a boyfriend. Yeah. That you would go through all the trouble of engaging. 20 other people yeah. in telling them about this to the point where they would all rally behind the idea of having a, this announcement. I didn't even know if this guy was actually her boyfriend, to be quite honest with you. It could have just been a setup, right? and he agreed to go along with it. If he was her boyfriend, and as, I, as, it, as you'll find out later on, he actually was, but if he was her boyfriend, at the time I was thinking, what kind of a guy yeah. is going to go along with being the prop Exactly. That's then another surprised. guy uh, being uh, embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Like it was set up for me to go, 
I don't know if they wanted me to cry. Right. I didn't really, I yeah, didn't know what's what the reaction that, because I could see, you know, I could, I was going to ask, like, did you throw the flowers? And like, no, you know, like, were you angry? I don't know. But was it just like shock? I don't even remember what like, I did with the flowers. I yeah. might have, I might have just taken them with me and yeah. just, I think I just walked out of there and just went to my car because I was just completely shocked by it. Yeah. It was a level of cruelty and an amount of pre-planning that went into it that I, to this day, I've never, I've never uh, seen anything like it. No, to be that or, and to make the presentation such that they literally parted the Red Sea and then they, they, they were there waiting for you. Yeah, it was orchestrated and it was well orchestrated. I look oh, back on it man. and I think if you, and I said this earlier, if you wanted to prepare a fuck you, yeah. they did a hell of a job. I, I got to give them credit for that. I mean, yeah, as much gotta, as it hurts. You got to tip your hat. When you I mean, you got to tip your hat to that. That's a level of fuckery that, yeah. I mean, you got to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's all so fucked it's, up. It borders on being a psychopath is it what really it borders does. on. Because yeah. you don't, you could just say to somebody, hey, I don't think we should see each other anymore. Or, I don't think this is get, going along well. Or I'm not really, uh, I, I don't want to continue on with you if, if you're, uh, you know, going to be the the guy who flirts with girls at sure. your shows so that they keep coming back to your shows. Right. I mean, that was, was one of the things you have to you try to explain to people is that I have to be, if girls come to our shows, yeah. I can't be a dick. Sure. I can't be like, fuck you, get out of here. My girlfriend's over there. Right. That's gotta... not the way it works, particularly when you're in college and you're trying to be, you know, get paid to be a house band and bring people coming back. Yeah. You want girls who come to the shows to be attracted enough yes. to you, whether it be you or the other members of your band or whatever, that they want to come back. Right. Yeah, if they're like, oh, fuck that guy, then they're not right. going to come back. You don't have to act on it. Right. But during the the show, you have to treat them like they're valuable and, exactly. and, and important. And I appreciate you being here. Right. And so, yeah, I get that. I know, I understand why somebody wouldn't like that. Sure. But the level of this was just incredible. Well, that's what I was going to ask. If there was something like in a short amount of time leading up to this that like was really bad that happened or, you know, something that she was like, I'm going to get back at him for. No. I, mean, I can't imagine you would do anything that could top that or be in that realm. But yeah, that's why it doesn't make any sense. It's just like if there was no. That's wow. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Why. The, irony like, of, it's, the irony of this was to kind of wrap that story up was that. Uh, um, you know, very shortly thereafter, uh, it was when I met Amy. Mm -hmm. And um, I continued to sing in bands, and I continued to uh, uh, go to shows. I mean, uh, do shows. And, and Amy would then be coming to my shows. Mm -hmm. But C would still keep coming to my shows with her friends. I don't know if she was doing it to unnerve Amy, or she was... Uh, it was a weird set of circumstances, because... Uh, Amy would be there, you know, it's it's a very, it's a delicate balance. If you've ever been a front man or you've ever been uh, in a band uh, that was popular with, with women mm -hmm. and, and uh, you have your significant other or your, or your girlfriend there, um, boyfriend, if it's a, a, a girl who's the front person or whatever, it's a very difficult thing because they're kind of hypersensitive about women or men, if it's a female, like I said, a female front person, uh, being overly aggressive and going after the singer. So yeah. you 
you know, you're trying so hard to keep people happy and wanting to come back to see you right. that you don't want to do anything as the front person to dissuade them, don't want to put them down or anything. But it's not like you're up there, you know, grinding them or something right. in the middle of the show. You're right. just being nice to them. Sure. And if they give you their phone number in your pocket, you don't slap their wrist away. Yeah. You're how just, dare you? Right. <laughs> it's just, you know. It's, you know, people that know how the customer, quote unquote, is always right. Right. At the time, that's what you're trying to do. Exactly. So, so she would come to the show. Did she ever bring her boyfriend? No. It would always just, just be her the girlfriends, friend. just friends. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, okay. And so eventually, um, Amy and I have been together for three years. And eventually, um, she kept trying to keep in touch with me contact with me, which I, is weird because after that, you'd think she never would. Yeah. I mean, but you have to understand, we were very, we, I don't know if I was, I would assume I was her first love. She was yeah. definitely mine. Right. And so we had a, that kind of a, of a connection. Connection. Or, yeah. Yeah. We had a connection and, and I don't know if that whole thing, if the, her anger with me at that point in time was so severe that it caused her to do that, whatever reason that she had. Yeah. Um, she, and I don't think it stopped her from being attracted to me. Right. I just think it was her way of saying, okay. screw you, um, you know, I can do better. Here's this guy right. who was a very good-looking dude. I'm not going to deny it. Sure. He, was a, he was a good – I remember seeing it and thinking, damn, I think he did better than me, at least from a physical <sighs> was standpoint. Was that kind of getting kicked while you were already down? You're like, oh, yeah. damn it. I wish he would have been like some <laughs> frumposaurus or something, you know, some really sure. dorky yeah. dude yeah. or something. But. Whoever, the guy that she picked, that, which is why at the time, and she was a really, she's a pretty girl, she still is to this day. Um, but at the time, I remember thinking, is this a plant? Because this dude's too good looking to, for this just, it's almost like you found the best looking dude. And, right. And, and, you know, she, it was, it was her boyfriend. Because um, the day before uh, our wedding, we had all the, the you and Amy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, right, yes, thank you. Yeah. We didn't get married. It wasn't me and C. It was me and Amy. Right. Um, she called my apartment, and I had my groomsman and my best man there because we were about to go to rehearsal dinner. Yeah. And she was actually asking me if I was going to go through with it because she knew the wedding and she knew how are you going to do this and and it was a kind of a weird thing because. It felt weird to, to receive a call from somebody who was showing, showing that lack of respect for another person, yeah. as in my my future wife, right. to make that kind of a call. And did she, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered even if it hadn't ended the way that it did, but between coming to the shows and, and now this, does she not realize that like she gave you the best royal fuck you you could <laughs> give? Like that's it. You right. can't just like come back from that. I don't know that. how you come back from that. Yeah. I, I mean I it was know. great for what it was, but it's I don't just know how, like, I don't I, I don't know how you come back from it. Yeah, like you don't. I think, <laughs> and yet I think she knew in her heart that no matter what she would do, yeah, I would still have feelings for her. Oh, you know what I'm saying? And that's, think, kind of, and that's, that's think, a whole level of fucked I think up. she knew. That that was that that was the uh, that, that was the case. So, and then um, of course Amy and I got married, and we've been together for well, we we've been together for thirty five years. Yeah, but uh, we've been married for almost uh, thirty two years. Yeah. So, um, but about five or six years into uh, Amy and I being together. Yeah. Um, as far as being married, uh, I got a phone call from her. I think I was still living uh, in an apartment complex with my wife. We had just moved back here to Cincinnati. 
Uh, we were in Florida for a couple of years. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got a phone call from her, and I found out that she had a baby by the guy, which is, you know, her, the, the boyfriend. The handsome, yeah, yeah, the, the handsome guy. guy. Um, and that she had a son, and that the son was, um, if I, I don't think, I think the guy would, uh, I don't know if they ever got married or if he just left. He absconded. Let's just put it that way. Okay, he was gone. And she had a, a son, and her son... Uh, the way she was uh, portraying it to me was that her son needed a uh, a male uh, figure in, her, in his life, a father figure, whatever. I guess she wanted him involved in sports and things like you know those yeah. are the type of things that I that I was involved in. And right at that point in time, you know, Andy wasn't born yet; he hadn't been. Oh, okay. You know, it wasn't it wasn't for another uh, year or two that, mm. that Andy was born. Um, obviously, I was really involved in and. Alex, right, I was and say. all of Alex's sports and say, yeah. the things that he was doing, yeah, um, because of the age difference between Alex, our, our your cousin, or my nephew, and Andy. Ultimately, I was able to do both, right? Because when one was kind of done and was in high school and had his own coaches and everything else, right? Then it came Andy's turn exactly. to do his thing, so I was able to do that, you know, for both of them. But um, yeah, that was what I mean. What did you say when you got the call? It was hard because I'm a. I try to be a good person, right? And I don't want to, you know. I mean, I I don't really think that there. Were, I think it was just kind of left open, like, well, maybe, you know, maybe. yeah. Now, for my whatever, what happened with her, and I don't want to get in too much into into that, but what happened with her is she wound up meeting a guy and got uh, uh, remarried and had daughters and had mm. a great life and oh, good. she's very successful. Um, uh, businesswoman here in Cincinnati and has done a wonderful job for herself and yeah and uh, and and then I don't have any ill will towards her really sure. this story is more about the level of of uh, uh, how somebody could put together and co orchestrate and pull off right such a grand fuck you yes <laughs> it's just yes. Yeah, it was I mean, amazing. That was probably one at, at, at that time. That was probably one of her greatest accomplishments yeah. in life. She yeah. should have been. She and from her vantage point, she was probably proud. I, look, I got all these people involved. <laughs> I look back on it, and I'm, I'm, I like I said, it's a hat tipper. I tip yeah. the cap yeah, for, the, you got for that because it was so well done. Well, I've got a few uh, questions on this, and then we can move on. But right. do you remember like the facial expressions of all that were involved? Like, or were you just zoned in on her? Because I'm um, curious, like, are they looking at, like, are they psychotic and looking at you like, ah, is he going to break? Yeah. Like, what? Like, and they were, it was, it was uh, a glee. Wow. It was laughter. It was, <laughs> it, there was no embarrassment. At least yeah. I didn't feel it. I didn't feel like any of them were embarrassed by it. It was like a gang of people who were so thrilled that they were pulling this off. And they wanted, like, I was a, to them at that time, I guess, I didn't know any of them. To them <laughs> at that time. I didn't know what story she had told about. Right, me. that's what I was going to say. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea what what the background for that she had given them about me. So as far as I knew, she had told them I was the worst person ever, and that this whole thing made perfect sense to them. Right. Yeah. I knew that it didn't. Right. And that it wasn't. But but from their but from their point, vantage point, it might have. So they were not. They were. They held nothing back. Right. And so that kind of added to bet. the embarrassment of it all. So did you say anything? There. Do you remember? 
I think I just put my head down and walked away. I really do. I don't think I got. Yeah, like what do you say? I'm not. You know me. I'm. 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 I'm inclined to respond. I'm inclined to fight. Yeah. I think that the how brokenhearted I was yeah. about that whole situation. One of the few times in my life where I didn't have a response. That's rare. Yeah. You know? <laughs> For you. <laughs> you know me. I do. And people that are listening to this this uh, podcast uh, that know of me know that uh, I'm. I'm inclined to respond yeah. to things. What did you do the rest of the day? I, I don't really remember. I'm sure you blocked it out. I, right? I was in a fraternity at that point in time, so I uh, probably went back to the fraternity house and drank and a lot of drinking. Yeah, smoked pot. Sure, I did yeah. a lot of that in those days. So. Sure, that would be an appropriate response. Right, that was getting fun. your heart ripped out. Right, in front of uh, spectators. I, I really don't remember. Sure, I just, yeah. I just yeah. remember that moment as one of those moments in my life that I'll never forget. Yeah. Now, how long did it take you to bounce back? Oh, I met Amy, uh, I believe, the next year. Okay. And in the interim, I went out with girls, and yeah, you know, I wasn't did that thing at UC. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. I started going fun. out. I started going to. Uh, I could dance because I, you know, I was a theater major uh, in in school, and I so I could go to clubs and dance. And sure. aside from singing in bands, which was. I didn't have an. Let's just put it this way: I had a lot of options. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It wasn't like I was wanting wanting for female attention. Uh, attention. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I was fortunate in that way that I was able to do that, and so. Um, okay. You know, it wasn't until the next year, though, that I met Amy, and then things completely changed for me as far as uh, the way I perceived what real love is. Right. You know, I didn't really know it was kid love mm -hmm. up to the point with her. With, with C, and uh, ultimately I found out that love is not um, just about attraction. Right. It's about uh, a relationship based upon trust and a relationship based upon wanting to do more for the other person than what you want to do for yourself. Exactly. No, and that's a really interesting distinction because, I mean, as I've talked about, uh, you know, there was my first love who broke my heart, who uh, was never into me in the first place. <laughs> that sucks. Um, oh, but when I met Karina, man. it was what you were saying. It was something else. It was like, oh, this isn't like, I'm not just like, it's not a smitten thing. It's yeah. like, oh, okay. Well, the other party is so giving. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing is that I can't imagine anybody in my life who loves me more than Amy does. Right. And so that's such a wonderful feeling. Right. And I feel the same way about her. Right. And I, and you know, and when you're a kid, you only know what you know. Right. At that time, for lack of a better term. And all I knew at that time was I was um, attracted to a person and I was, but we weren't on the same level as far as our interests. Mm -hmm. Like she wasn't a rocker. Now Amy's not a rocker either, you know, or right. obviously, but Amy was interested in music and she loved sports and she yeah. loves to watch football. And there's a variety of things that we connect on on a more equal level right. than I did with, with the, this, this other young lady. Right. Uh, so the last question on that would be when, was there a moment when you realized that it was something more with Amy? Uh, you know, I knew it right away. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it right away. I met her at the University of Cincinnati at the McDonald's. <laughs> this is a God, this is a true story. I met her at the McDonald's at UC 
<laughs> she was working at the campus McDonald's. She okay. was in, in, oh, okay. in wearing the old school uh, uh, uniforms that they used to have, which mm-hmm. were really attractive. I just can't tell you that right <laughs> now. Sure, very flattering. Right, very flattering. <laughs> Total. Uh, what do they used to? What do they used to wear? Uh, I don't want to say nylon. They were. Uh, Polyester. polyester? Yeah, Total yeah. polyester uniform. Yeah. And number one, I thought, man, she's attractive. And she's wearing that. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So I, so long story short, I'm in line there at the McDonald's. It's the, McDonald's, UC campus, you know, you imagine at Ohio State, UC. Sure, yeah. You could be in line at, for uh, uh, there for a good 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. Because there's so many. Right. And there's bars little bars all over the place at the university center and everything else. Right. People in between classes. And so I would wait in this big, long line to get up to the front. And then I saw her. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I want to meet this girl. Mm-hmm. So I got out of my line yeah. and went to the back of the line of where she was waiting on people. Oh, wow. And then I got up there. And then that's how I met her. I, I ordered uh, whatever I ordered. I don't remember. But sure. I do remember that uh, I had just gotten paid uh, from the bar the night before mm-hmm. for a gig. Or for a gig. Yeah. And so I had hundreds yeah. in my my wallet, hundreds and fifties. Okay. Looking like a big, big shot. So, which <laughs> we joke about the fact I haven't had a few, I haven't had many of those since... <laughs> Since then, I had more hundreds and more fifties in my wallet when I was a twenty-something-year-old college student than I did uh, when I was, uh, you know, now as a as a grown-up. Right. But you know, as a government employee, as a government servant, as your dad knows, right. you don't walk oh, yes. around a lot of fifties and hundreds. No. So <laughs> no, no, those are already spent. So, did you go from that specific uh, interaction to did you ask her out then? Like yeah, I did. In line? I did actually. Uh, Respect. No, I think I did. I don't think I did it the first day. I mm-hmm. think I talked to her and I tried to charm her. Yeah. The brief amount of time that we had. Sure. Yeah. And then I went back another day. The line was a little shorter or whatever, and I talked to her and I asked her out, and she wasn't sure. Yeah. You know, and the other thing is that the other thing is that still I looked a, l- a little different. Sure. You know, and yeah. I had I had you know uh, streaked hair and a. <laughs> Big earring, and you know, I probably—I'd be honest with you—I was probably wearing. Uh, um, I was I was in uh, uh, musical theater, so I was probably wearing like what used to call leg warmers, right? Like and a dance, and I probably mm-hmm. had like tights on with a dance belt, and <laughs> which was underneath. Dance belt is something if you don't know what this is, but a dance belt is something you're supposed to wear as a dancer that hides the um, package bulge, the bulge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so when I first started at CCM, I didn't know anything about that stuff. So I would wear a pair of sweatpants and a jock strap, <laughs> and you could see pretty much everything because I went from a parochial school. I wasn't right. the kind of kid who went to a performing arts high school. Right. I didn't go to a school that even had a play until my senior year. Right. Yeah. So I works. literally went from never being in a play mm-hmm. and people in my school saying, what do you want to do? And I say, well, I think I want to go in and be an actor or I want to, you know, get into uh, you know, be a singer. Right. And them saying, well, what makes you think you'd be any good at that? Mm-hmm. Which is ironic. A counselor is supposed to not dissuade you from yeah. something that you're interested in, but that That's was the way it was back in the day. And so I auditioned for that and got into the College Conservatory of Music, which is the second rated school performing arts college in the country next to Juilliard. Yeah. Um, and so that was probably a big shock. Not a shock to my parents, apparently, because they didn't consider that to be much of anything. <laughs> nor did they nor did they attend the uh, my auditions where, where everybody else's parents were there. Yeah. Right? 
But that was in the days before the helicopter parents. Oh, right. So yeah. it was a completely different time. Right. And I think we could uh, move into a completely different time. You teed that up for me and you're good for it. Thanks. Let's man. call that out. Uh, that, that, you, the assist there was phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, so Thank let's you. go to a different time where people weren't maybe aware, uh, kids maybe weren't aware of uh, creepers, weirdos, stalkers, yeah. and molesters as they are now. Yeah, I was thinking about that when we were, uh, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the documentary. I haven't. Leaving I Neverland, uh, the, the Michael Jackson documentary. But we were watching that show, and I think pretty much the majority of people that watch that their first reaction is how were these parents unable to see this type of thing and why sure. weren't they more upset about it? Right. And it kind of brought me back to, because I'm a kid of that of that time period, the mm -hmm. late 70s to early 80s, when all of this was going on. And um, it reminded me of a certain, of an of a, of a experience that I had with a priest and a teacher okay. at the parochial high school that I went to. My brother, his friends, me, my friends. I knew a lot of people that had this ex experience, if you will, with this with this priest. I will. And you will. I know you will. <laughs> uh, well, let's just call him Father Flattop. Father Flattop. And, okay. uh, and it was one of those situations where at the time, at that time in life, you could tell this story that I'm going to tell you, and your, and people that you would tell it to would not bat an eye. Okay. But when I tell you this story in 2019, mm -hmm. or I tell it to anybody uh, who is of of this age, who's grown up in an area where they have they are aware of things such as pedophilia, and they're aware of, like you said, creepers and all yeah. those other kind of things, that they hear this story and they're sh they can't believe it. So right. this this let me say, yeah, I had a teacher in high school, uh, a very uh, jovial guy, big heavy set dude, uh, flat top haircut, was a priest. And he would like to go to Sharon Woods or one of the local uh, parks mm -hmm. with his students. It was all boys' school. Okay. And um, he just like hike around. Right. Okay. And he would ask you civics questions because that's what he taught. And if you got the answer right, mm -hmm. uh, if you got the answer wrong, let's put it this way. If you got the answer wrong, you had to do X amount of push-ups. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. If you got the answer right, though, mm -hmm. you got riding time. Okay. And riding time was you got initially it was you got to ride on his shoulders. Big heavy heavy set dude. Okay. So you okay. would ride on his shoulders, and he would ride you around, and you, and he would encourage you to kick him like a horse. And okay. he would say, if you kicked him and he'd run around, he'd say, oh, you're brutal. So, you know, it was funny. High school sure. kids, you know, you, but you would tell high schoolers. Yeah, we were high schoolers. Yeah. Okay. We're okay. All right. All right. And so, you know, you're probably about, yeah, you're probably 15, 16 years old. All right. All right. I know it sounds weird. It's, it's weird. But okay. Okay. It's not right. crazy so, yet. Okay. So my brother and his friends would do it. We would all come back in our house and tell my mom and dad about this. Oh, I got a ride on Father yeah, Flat Top. Father Flat Top would give us a ride. We'd have riding time. And then it kind of turned into you could ride him. He would get on all fours and you could ride him. And then he'd put a, his, he'd take his belt off and he'd stick it through his teeth. And then you would steer him around um, while he was riding you around and he would say oh you're vicious oh you're vicious 
And you'd be literally riding right up around his his neck area, uh-huh. right by the flat top. Yeah, uh, and he would just ride you all over the place, and 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 that was I probably did that, uh, and I would actually had friends who I knew from other schools who would come to these hikes, and we would all do this. <laughs> yeah. Like you're would, eight years old, riding around on someone's sometimes back. You, sometimes you just do it by yourself, <laughs> and you'd okay. go with them, and sometimes you okay. would just. Sometimes you would go with other kids, you know, other boys. Yeah. But my, I'm, I'm telling you, it wasn't just me. It was my brother. It was my, it was most of his friends. It yeah. was, it was me. Now, okay, that's my point is that when in 1979, 80, 81, all the rest of right. that, I guess it was about 1980. Well, let's just use that as the, as the, sure. the date. I, I used to, I didn't know anything about that stuff. Yeah. I didn't know about pedophilia. I didn't understand the creepiness aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, oblivious. And my parents apparently didn't know about it either. The priests were held in such high regard sure, back yeah. in those days. Right, now it's right. different because we've had the whole priest scandal and right. people talking about priests diddling kids and all the rest of right. that stuff. But back in those days, that wasn't a thing. Right, yeah. And so yeah, even if you told that story to your parents, their reaction was, Father flat top. He is such a funny guy. What a guy. Yeah. 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 So yeah. so it's just one of those things where I look back on it and then I watch that documentary and I think to myself, how outraged we are right now about right. those parents. And how could they not how could they not understand that this is not right for a 35-year-old man right. to be hanging out with kids all the time and yeah. these kids are staying at his house and yada yada yada. And I'm not trying to make an excuse for that because Fame in that particular set of circumstances would drove those people to overlook the things that were going on. Yeah, it's blind my, them. Blind right. Them. That's my opinion on that. But I think that most people that watch that would come up with that. But it wasn't the same mentality that people have now. Sure. So, so to be to sit on somebody's high horse and judge those parents, right? And how. Uh, what, you know, ignorant they were if people say that, or how could they do that? You're basing it upon today's theories and philosophies on how to raise your children, right. as opposed to in the 70s and the 80s. Your dad could tell you this, your mom could tell you that oftentimes when we were kids in the 70s and the 80s, we were just left alone. Sure, yeah. You know, there was no helicopter parent, right. there was nobody hovering over to make sure that you were okay. There was more kids when I was in school who died from, uh, uh, driving accidents and DUIs than you'll ever see in an entire four years. Mm -hmm. You know, this was every year Then right. you'll see an entire four years at any high right. school here. Yeah. You know, in Cincinnati. Now it doesn't happen now because we're much more guarded about things than we used to be back in the seventies and eighties. I used to leave my house as a, as a young teen or even before then and be gone for an entire day in a summertime. And my parents would have no idea. My mom would have no idea where I was. And then I, my job was to get back by dinner. Well, and that's the interesting thing is that, like, and I, I think I've talked about this before. I know I've talked about it with friends before, but, like, at 31, I was at the tail end of what you're describing. Yeah. I think it was really cell phones that did it. Yeah. Because once parents had access to Yeah, you to have access. Kids, yeah, we didn't, they didn't have I would, access. I would ride my bike. I would do the exact same thing you're saying. I would, mom would make me check in on a payphone mm -hmm. once a day. Yeah. And I was gone from nine until sundown. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was doing whatever I wanted. I would ride my bike around with friends and whatever. Um, and so, I mean, I think, yes, like when I was growing up, there was more, but I, I still don't think it's like it is now, you know, right. like in the early mid nineties. Yeah. Like um, I said, I'm not trying to excuse no, no, I know. that yeah. situation. I was as shocked 
watching that documentary that a mom would sleep in a room with her son who was seven or 11 in the other kid's case, being in the very next room every single night sleeping in the same bed as Michael Jackson. I, yeah. I look at that and think how, you know, you really were um, blinded, like you yeah. said, by the level of fame, the things that you were able to do and all that. You were trying so hard to make sure that your kid got a career out of this through his connection to Michael Jackson, that you were, in your mind, you're willing to overlook the very real possibility that something weird was going on. I'm not trying to dismiss that. I'm just saying that for those of us who are looking at it in 2019, it was a different time and it was a different mentality that people had. And right. I, the story that I gave you, while not as uh, severe, is a good, in my opinion, a good example of how something that was that out in the open mm -hmm. and that multiple kids were involved with yeah. was seen in those days as absolutely nothing. Right. Yeah. No questions asked. Just, no. And, and, you know, honestly, it does, it bothers me a little bit that that story did elicit the reaction it did from me because now I, I guess I should preface, did, was, was anything, did anything ever come out about this guy? About Not Father that I'm Scott aware Tom? of, and I don't. I don't really know. Okay. I, I wanted the last time I saw him was at a, uh, a, and one of Greg's friends had a had a wedding, and he was at that wedding, and okay. I I was older by then, and I was not inclined at to that point in time <laughs> to uh, have a conversation with him because I knew at that point in time in my life that what he was That's doing true. was creepy. Yeah, you know because. You know, he he would take his belt off and he would put it between That's his teeth, really and, yeah. and he would ride around, and then he would, you know, he wanted you to whip him or kick him. That's that's really what did it for me. You know, what I'm saying like, like he was, like, yeah, you know, like he's kick, getting off on kick that. him on the side yeah. or, you that's know, weird. and I used, to, I mean, I don't mean to be graphic here, but you're talking about teenage boys whose ball sacks are literally hanging on on, on his, his neck. neck. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was just a. It's, you know, now that I look back on it, I'm kind of like <laughs> weirded out by it. And, yeah. But what I'm more weirded out about on it was that I was, you know, 16 years old or whatever, but that my parents completely no issue with it yeah, whatsoever. Didn't bat an eye. Yeah. No, because he was a priest. Right. Yeah. And, again, and priests were, before. and yeah. you know, my mom, priests are the are the the uh, representation of God. Right. And if a priest came to your house when I was a kid, that was like a status symbol. Yeah. If you had priests coming to you where I lived, if you had the more priests you had coming to your house on the weekend, the more you could brag to your neighbors who were also Catholics. Right. Yeah. You know, it was almost like collecting priests instead of collecting baseball cards. Look how many priests we had. <laughs> oh, we had priests. And the, the priests were smoking, they're getting drunk. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were at the house getting shit faced and yeah. they were smoking <laughs> fatty cigars down in the basement and everything, playing pool, but but hey. They're in our house, not yep. your house. A father of God's playing pool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess what I was starting to say is, and with the the belt and the, it, it is weird, but I was going to say a little part of me, it does make me sad that that, that it, it did elicit the reaction it did because like, there's no room now for like, like maybe he just wanted kid. I, yeah, I can't. I, I I'm having a hard time defending it with the belt and everything else. But you know what I mean. Like there's. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I do. Yeah. I'm not gonna say that at any of that was. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. I'm not gonna say that any of that was uh, pedophilia. I don't know. Right. I'm gonna say that that story and the way that 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 was 
should have elicited some yes. level of concern really from should. your parents right. at that time. And I guess and what it I'm, didn't. And my right. point is that I'm trying to say maybe it's not necessarily my parents, right? Because it was other people's parents as well sure. who were who had this situation going on. Mm-hmm. So when I watched that leaving Never Neverland, yeah, it made me realize that how we're you looking at something and how we're, what we're looking at it through today mm-hmm. was not the lens that we were looking at it through in 1980, right? Yeah, and I guess the the. What I'm trying to say is that it's, it's it's a shame because of all the horrible stuff that has happened. That it, it even regardless of your situation, like now, if there's an adult who just likes spending time with children, right? Instantly, your guards, your, yeah, your, your yeah. Flags now are they're up. now they're really suspect. Right. Anybody, anybody. Even and that's if it's unfortunate. Just, it, that's, and that I guess that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. is it's just like. Right. But I think it's understandable that the guards instantly go up because of all the shit that's happened. So you know. Um, I guess some other shit happened uh, on the first Blackfell Brides tour. Yeah, we'll wrap this up with that. So I'll try to. Uh, well, most people uh, that know Andy know that uh, in the formative years of his career, uh, I took a fairly active role in most of the things that were going on. I served as his uh, de facto manager uh, for the very first tour that he had. They didn't have a tour manager. Mm-hmm. So they booked like a dozen shows from from uh, this area to start all the way back to Los Angeles where they were based. And so they needed somebody to do that. And so I agreed that I would take on that responsibility. Yeah. So I needed to, I needed to get or hire a uh, uh, like a roadie. Yeah, somebody to help. And I found a guy online who on MySpace <laughs> okay. who was saying that he would he had done this he had done you know he'd done uh, uh sound tech you know he was a sound tech he had done you know guitar tech and i was thinking okay that'll be good this guy knows what he's doing i, I have no idea yeah. you know I, I i've never done that kind of stuff i'd always done the merch i'd always done the staging type mm-hmm. of things yeah, you know yeah and you know and the and, and the lights or the or the, the the you know the smoke machine the fog machine I'd always done that kind of stuff for the shows and what props this? this thing this was uh, two thousand and nine nine okay yeah cool. so it's the end of two thousand and nine Blackfell's going to go on their very first tour so I find this guy who I think I'm talking to and he has a username that's similar to another guy okay who I contact by accident. And this other guy wants to do it, okay. but it wasn't it the was guy the, oh no. that I wanted. Right. And I didn't know it. Oh, shit. The okay. guy I wanted, I never actually contacted. Because <laughs> I didn't, you know, it was the very beginning of social media. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't yeah. really sure. Like, in the, back in the day, just to let you know, in social media, I would, I didn't understand that People would fake that they were Miley Cyrus, right? Yeah, you wouldn't think that people, or would that do they that. would do, right? You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So, like, this is funny because um, Miley Cyrus used to always talk about Andy mm-hmm. and how she was looking forward to the, you know, his first record. Oh wow, I didn't know. And I thought that was no, that's not true. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I in my mind, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, somebody in my mind, be... somebody pretending that that. And I was thinking, well, that's really nice of you. And I would, I would send back like a nice thing saying, well, that's really, really good. And, and the funny part about it was is that, as you know, Andy 
uh, was uh, offered a, a slot to do Miley Cyrus's Hannah Montana show mm-hmm. in this r- uh, relatively minor role yeah. where he was supposedly going to play some edgy rocker dude right. who was a huge fan of Miley Cyrus, mm-hmm. which to which Andy said, no fucking rocker dude. <laughs> <laughs> would be a fan of Hannah Montana. Right. Yeah. At uh, the time. Now right. maybe. Yeah. You know, now sure. they, she's now, now, now right. she's wrecking balls. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now she's, you know, she's a rocker to a certain extent herself. But in those days it was Hannah Montana. And then he was like, no rocker dude, high school or otherwise, would be a, a fan of Hannah Montana. A Disney Channel. So he star. wound up not doing it and then and you know, the rest is history. But um, you know, that was uh you know, that was the this Kind of the set of circumstances up to that up to that point in time that right. we had. So social media was relatively new to me. I didn't know. So I said to this guy, uh, "We'll call him uh, Vic." Okay. Um, I said to Vic, "Okay, here's what we're going to do. He's from another city. He came from somewhere in uh, Indiana. I want to say close to Evansville. Yeah. So he drove all the way here." Okay. Under the and I at the time I still was under the opinion that he was this other guy. Right. Who has this experience? Right, who has his experience? As right. it turns out, this guy Vic is just a wanna. He's a wanna guy. He's a he has a good heart. Yeah, he wants to do it. He doesn't know jack about it. Great. Okay. Great. I don't even really find this out until we're into it. Yeah. All right. So, so we go to the first show. It's in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, that's the infamous show where they booked. Blackville into the small room at the Peabody's in Cleveland, which no longer exists. But they had a house band that, because they were going to have a Cavs game, and they were going to have a band after the Cavs game because mm. it was relatively close by to where the Gund Arena is or yeah. whatever they call it, a Quicken's Loan. Yeah. Um, and so this house band is like nobody's there. Yeah. And when we get to the venue, there are kids lined up around the – Front of the venue, all the way to the back, and into the alley. Wow! And we, when we drive up to, to to load in, I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, I wonder who's playing tonight." Right. Yeah. And it turns out that everybody that was there was there to see this brand new band that didn't even have a record out right. called Blackville Brides that had one video, Knives and Pens, right. which was a viral sensation. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so we we get all set up. We're in there. And I've got all the merch, mm-hmm. and I cannot. I literally, there's no way I can do all of this. And this Vic guy doesn't necessarily know what he's doing, and it's taken forever to get get them set up. Yeah. And uh, I don't think there was a warm up band. There might have been. There was. A, yeah, I think there was a warm up band um, that night. It was a local band or whatever. Yeah. Nice kids. I don't. I don't remember the name of the band, but there was a, a warm up band that night. But I'm trying to get it all coordinated and organized. I'm trying to be the manager. The tour manager, the merch guy, um, and do pretty much everything. Right. And really, I'm just somebody's dad. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. I'm not that. I don't have that background or that history. Right. Other than playing in a band. Right. You know, right. What, at that point, right. what? Twenty-five I knew, years. I knew enough. Years of, right. I knew enough about it that I knew how to deal with bar owners. I knew yeah. how to collect money at the end of the night. Right. I knew who to go to. I knew who to ask for. Uh, position to, to put our merch and the best area to put it in and all the rest of that. But I didn't know enough about it to uh, to, to square away because I was a singer. Right. Singers aren't as aware of all of the uh, of the specifics of a of a setup for a sound system and how things need to be set up for the guitars and everything else. Because right. 
for all intents and purposes, I'd walk up there, everybody else would have their shit set up, and then I'd sing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I hate to say it, but that was the well, yeah, level, level of ignorance that I had in the years that I did that. It was like, well, that's not my job. That's your job. And I was never in a band the size that Blackville ever be, you know, sure. became. Everybody in the bands I was in, it was do it yourself. Everybody set up their own stuff. Everybody tore down their own stuff at the end of the night. Well, if you're singing through the house PA, my job was essentially to get my mic stand and my microphone right. on and off the stage. Right, that, that was it. It's a relatively easy, sure. easy process. Yeah. So Vic's in there, and uh, he's taking his sweet time. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And I've got the merch set up outside, and the place is packed. I mean, it only holds about 200 and they had to put people up in the rafters, and they, they it was like a, it was a literally a fire, uh, uh, what do they call it, a fire trap? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. there was that many, there was that many kids in there, and then they let all these other kids in the venue. And they couldn't get in, but they could hear the band, so they all s- stood in the hallway where the merch was. So uh-huh. we were all packed in there like ah, sardines. Yeah, and there was probably about four hundred kids in there in a room that would only hold two hundred. The rest of them were in there. They let them in for free. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't, and they were apologizing afterwards profusely. Blackville wound up playing there three or four more times. They wound up being really good guys. Mm-hmm. They would, even Andy, if he had an option between them and another venue because of how nice they were about that yeah. whole situation, he, he, you know, he kind of had, a, had an affinity or a, or a fondness for the people that ran that place because of, you know, the fact that it was the first, first thing. So, right. Uh, but they, they, just, they just underestimated the, the, the draw. Yeah, the underestimated band, right? the There's no album right. out, right? Okay, I get it. So, we do. That's a great show, and they want band winds up afterwards signing autographs for two hours afterwards, and but I, I literally couldn't keep up with the the merch. Yeah, we sold out all of the merch that I had for the entire tour for all twelve <laughs> shows. Wow, that night. Like there was only two hundred people in the in the venue. There was four hundred people in there, whatever. Yeah. But we sold four thousand dollars worth of merch that night. Okay. Now we didn't pocket four thousand dollars because we had to pay for that. All of that money came out of. But I had to, I had to call back home and get the guy who was doing all the merch for us. Yeah. And I had to have him do a rush order and send it to the The next next place. Yeah. Overnight it probably. Yeah. Right. He had to overnight it. Yeah. 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 So, and also I had to recruit somebody at the venue Mm -hmm. in Cleveland to come with us for the rest (laughs) of the tour to be the merch girl because I couldn't do it. It was an impossibility. I already realized I I already had back problems at that time. I I started having severe back problems in 1995. Right. So by 2009, you know, 10 years ago, I was, I was having back problems. I've, I've had them for years and I'm, I realized, oh my God, I think I've bitten off more than I can chew with this thing. I've got 11 more shows and I'm going all the way to Anaheim as the final <laughs> show at Chain Reaction and I'm already worn out. <laughs> and that had to be a combination of really exciting for the fact that, that, that the band is doing what it is, but also terrifying because you're like, I can't do this myself. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, the other thing was, and, and I'll, I'll kind of get into that, but the other thing was that um, one of the primary things that I did not want the band to have to do mm. is I did not want them to have to tear their own gear down. Yeah. I wanted immediately off the stage them to hit to go directly to the merch table. Right. And take pictures with fans mm-hmm. and to encourage people to buy merch so that right. they could be so it could be signed. Right. 
that was my goal because that's how we were going to fund. We weren't getting paid a lot, uh, whether it be at the door or a guarantee or anything like that. We right. weren't getting paid a lot, but we could sell a lot of merch. Right. And you're getting all that money, right? right. You're and if it had that. Andy's face on it, right. we could sell a lot of merch. That's what everybody knew the band to be. No, nobody knew the other uh, band members at the time. But by, at that point in time, the only thing people knew was knives and pens. And they knew Andy as an online MySpace kind right. of celebrity kind exactly. of guy who had been doing music here locally in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. So we could, if we could sell that, we'd be, we'd be fine. But I couldn't do that all that myself. Yeah. So I, I recruited this girl, uh, Jessica, who happened to be a friend of the drummer at the time, San, uh, Sandra Same. Alvarenga. Yeah. Sandra Alva. Uh, and so she drops everything and comes on this tour with us because she lives in Pittsburgh, which happened to be the next stop on the tour. Okay. So we are okay. able to take her back with oh, us. Oh, so it actually worked out, yeah. Yes. Or I think she drove back. I'm not really sure whatever, if she had a yeah. car there or whatever. And then the next show, I meet her mom, <laughs> and I have to recruit her mom <laughs> to let her join us on the tour. Like yeah. She has to meet me. You know, it's this right. rando yeah. dude. He's asking my daughter yeah. to come on this Right. Rock and like, roll, like tour. we were just talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, what the hell is this? Rock and yeah. roll tour, and you're going to take care of my daughter and everything else. Yeah, who the hell is this guy? Right. Right. So I had a recruiter to come along on the, up for the rest of the tour, and, she, and you know she did, and it was fantastic. But uh, three or four shows into the whole thing, uh, our boy uh, Vic, yeah, decides that he's homesick. And he didn't want to do it anymore. Now, I was going to ask, what was the moment you realized you'd made a terrible mistake with who this Vic was <laughs> in this process? I don't even know that I realized it <laughs> until I got back from the whole Oh, really? Thing. Okay. I really don't. You thought he just talked I, a big game It and did not failed. make any sense to me that this guy... <laughs> right. I assumed that this guy was the guy that I had initially wanted. Right. And... He was a sweetheart of a guy. Yeah. He was a, I mean, he was a tryhard. Mm -hmm. He wanted to do a good job. He just didn't know what the hell he was right. doing. And that's a problem. Yeah. And so <laughs> that, yeah. And so he decides that he, he's going to catch a bus back to Evansville, Indiana, or wherever he was from. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm the roadie. I'm the merch guy. But I've got this Jessica to, to, to help me with the merch, which yeah. is good. Yeah, it's good. I'm also the guy who's going to be on stage with them doing the lights. Yeah. And I'm going to be, because Vic's not there anymore. Right. And Which, by the way, the band liked a lot more, as it turned out, because Vic didn't know the songs. Right. It's hard yeah. to be the light guy. Yeah, if you don't know the song. If you don't yeah. know the song. Right. Because the lights are syncopated to the beat of the song or right. whatever. I knew every word of every song. Sure. Better probably... To a certain extent, than some of the band members did, because these were Andy's songs and had been for years. A lot of them right. that he had had when he was here in right. Cincinnati yeah. with the with the band. There were songs that they never played after that tour that were actually Blackville Bride songs from the Cincinnati days. So I was able. That wasn't a that wasn't a problem. Sure. So we go through the whole tour, and you know, there's highs and lows. There's sellout shows in certain cities. You know, we had a play and show in Flagstaff in a snowstorm, and there was probably about 15 people there. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, but then the next day, I wanted to skip the Flagstaff thing. I was, uh, you know, Andy and those guys give them credit because my advice to them was, "Why the hell are we going there? We got L.A. and the whiskey the, the day right. after. Yeah. Why are we going to drive all night long and be exhausted to go and play the biggest show of your fledgling career at the whiskey 
why are we going to Flagstaff? And right. the response that I got, which is says a lot about Andy, was, well, we've got a responsibility. We've got a, you know, we've we've made a commitment. We should be there. Mm-hmm. So we drove in the snow and all that. Hardly anybody there. And and uh, the only concession that we made was we played first, mm. even though they were the headliner, if right. you will. So you can get we on the played road, first so. so we could get on the road and yeah. get out of there quicker. We drove all through the night. Uh, I was the only one driving my car. They yeah. all switched. Mm-hmm. They had four people in their car. Five. Yeah. And so they would take turns driving. Mm-hmm. You were on your own, though. I was on my own, and I would have Jessica with me. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, I would have Sandra and Jessica with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had all of the merch, yeah, big things of merch, and all of the suitcases. Right. And they would have, the rest of them would be in Ashley Purdy's Durango, and they would have a, uh, a, a they had the trailer. Right. Andy was not a good driver. I'm just going to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. In the early days, I don't know. if He's a much better driver. He's a good driver now. Right. But back yeah. in the day, as a young... 18, 19 year old kid. Yeah. Um, 18 years old at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a good driver. Sure. Because I would see the the uh, trailer. <laughs> you could see who was driving. You knew. Right. I knew. <laughs> I knew at the time when the trailer would be like, oh, and I would be behind it. Yeah. But it was tough because, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't have, I would, that was in the days and I, it could have literally been any type of, uh, ingredients in those stupid uh, one shots or whatever those things were five called. Five-hour energy. Five-hour energy yeah, drinks, yeah. yeah. They could have had anything in there. Oh, it could yeah. have been battery acid. <laughs> and if and I needed to stay up because yeah. I had to drive right. all night long. Right. Well, they could switch off and on. Right, I take naps. Yeah, you were on your own. So I was, you know, as of, you know, one of my 55 now, so I was 45 at the time. Uh, I was not a... You know, a young man. I wasn't right. a sp- spry chicken, if you sure, will. Sure, I will. I, I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> so we get we we get to L.A. We play. They played at the uh, at the whiskey, and they sold the whiskey out on a Tuesday night, two nights before Christmas. Yeah, which was unheard of. Yeah, yeah. they said that the last time the guy told me that was working there said the last band that sold it out the first time that they played there was Motley Crue. Wow. Okay. And so and good company. Yeah. So. That was really cool yeah. to, to hear that. Um, but the irony was that they didn't have enough people to work it. Because <laughs> they, they weren't anticipating. They didn't anticipate. Yeah. They didn't know who the fuck Black Veil Brides was. And right. They didn't realize that there was a following. Right. And they didn't have a record out. I can't really blame them. No, no, of course. But they came to us. We were in a dressing room. Blasco was there. Uh, and, 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 and the dressing room at the Whiskey. Um, they, the guy came in and he goes, I wish you guys would have told us how big you are. We'd have had more people here. Yeah. And I remember 18-year-old Andy saying, yeah, how would that conversation have gone? Yeah. Just wanted you to know uh, we're pretty big shit. Yeah, we're kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and they would have said, yeah, all yeah, right, sure whatever. You Where's your yeah. record? Yeah. So, yeah, so they, 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 the place was packed. The, the warm up bands didn't know who they were. Yeah. The warm up bands, in most of these places, I got to be honest with you, during the first tour, the warm up bands would see the way Blackville looked. Right. And they would be making fun of them. Right. Oh my God, they, would, they couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And nobody was in their court. Right. I mean, nobody was like a fan of them, and bands would stand to the side, and they would be joking about it, and they'd think it was, oh my god, what the fuck is this about? Yeah. Until they would hit the stage, right? And then fucking the the fans would just be going nuts yeah. from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they they played the uh, they played the chain reaction the next night, sold that out. Um, we were told that uh, that Avenged didn't sell it out. Now, having all fairness to Avenged, was a fucking great band. They were from uh, Anaheim. Right. They're from Orange County. Yeah. So the first time they played Chain, 
they probably played a zillion other shows right, around, around the area, right. and so it wasn't that big a, right. a deal. But this was the first time right. Blackmail was. But the first time that they played, uh, so the tour ended really strong. Yeah, it sounds like it. You know, you're, and you're talking about your first LA show sold out, Chain sold out in Anaheim the very next night, and then I'm going to uh, go back because I want to go back to uh, Cincinnati for Christmas. It was just around, just around Christmas time. Yeah. So I stayed an extra day there. I stayed actually at Jinx's apartment. Because Andy was living in that shithole that he used to live in, and I was—he didn't want me to be there, and yeah. I wasn't really excited about sure. being there either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, he encouraged me to stay someplace else, so I stayed at Jinx's place with a bunch of uh, snakes and spiders and everything else <laughs> that he had there. Jinx was quite a collector of weird animals sure. and everything else. I think he had like a lot of candles that were shaped as skulls, if I remember correctly. <laughs> he's a sweetheart of a guy, but you know, he's yeah. he's. he's He's a rocker. He's got a he's got a different uh, way. They call him Mr. Creepy for not endearingly. Not, yeah, yeah, endearingly. Yes. Yeah. For for a reason. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna drive back to Cincinnati, and I'm like, you know what? I think I can. I know it's a two two day drive, but I think I can be home in time for Christmas. Yeah, I remember this because I was in Cincinnati. You were in yeah. Cincinnati, and so I'm driving home, and you know, I'm driving from LA. You're not thinking about snowstorms. When you're starting in the West right. and you're moving to the Midwest, you're not thinking about, I'm going to get in the middle of a snowstorm. No. But I'm not really familiar with what's going on in places like uh, New Mexico and Texas and places that I got to drive, Oklahoma, right. I got to drive through. Um, so we, I get past uh, New Mexico. I think this is the, the route. And on I get, 40, maybe? Yeah, I get into Texas. Yeah, I get into Texas. And I'm near uh, Amarillo, Texas. The Panhandle. The Panhandle. Yep. yep, I know that. And I hit this unbelievable blizzard that you can't see a foot in front of your car. Oh, God. And it was so bad. Now, it started snowing the night before, but I was used to driving in snow. Sure. You know, you know, yeah. Midwest. Yeah. Midwest, particularly. I was from Milwaukee, so it wasn't like I, ever, I would ever think of not driving just right. because it was snowing. No. Uh, but this is something I've never seen before because there are no trees on either side of the highway. Yeah. It's it, it's like in the Midwest, our highways have borders, essentially. Right. We have, we have like giant fencing sometimes. Mm -hmm. We have concrete walls. Right. We have big like forests of trees yes. and everything else. They literally, you could see the other side of their, of their, the other side of their highway and there's nothing next to that either. Right. So when the, the, uh, the snow and the wind and everything are just whipping it creates this whiteout where you can't see anything. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, I'm like, holy shit, I'm on a freaking roller coaster ride right now where I don't, I'm not going to see the bottom of it. Right. And yeah. I could, I could hit my brakes and I, I didn't know what was going on. And I hit an ice patch. I slide off the side of the road. And now I'm in an, I'm, I'm uh, in an embankment where I'm looking at the highway and now I can see all kinds of other cars sliding off the road. It's just one after another. Yeah, I'm sure. It's not just me. It's one after another. Yeah. And probably about half an hour, 45 minutes into it, EMTs are starting to come. They're getting out of their cars. They've closed the highway down. Yeah. Well, they're trying to close the highway down. Right. And they are walking out on the highway, and they're falling, walking. These guys in the EMTs are just like there's an ice skating rink. It, it was really bad. And I can see all of this happening, and... I'm, they're, they're looking at me, and I'm thinking, okay, somebody's going to help me here. I don't right. know if I'm going to be able to get out of here with my car, but they're going to help me. It's a dangerous situ situation yeah, yeah, because cars are sliding off, and they're like 
next to you. Or there's another car sliding off and it's coming this way. And you're just wondering when is this real game of bumper cars right. going to have a, 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 a fatal end to That's it. what I was going to say. You're just sitting in your car waiting yes. for somebody to and you're ram right into you. And you're watching cars sliding off yeah, yeah, while yeah. you're sitting there looking at it. And all of a sudden, this tractor trailer, what we used to call an 18-wheeler, comes and it jackknives. And the cab, the front end, yeah. turns sideways. Okay. And now the driver, his window side window mm -hmm. is literally looking right at me and I'm looking at him and the, his, his trailer is whipping around. Yeah. Right. And it's, oh. and I can, he and I are looking at each other and I know at that exact moment, I am going to get crushed. Yeah. I am going to, this is going to hit me and there's nothing either one of us can do about it. Sure. And so it comes whipping around. He hits me. My car goes back. Luckily, Okay. My car goes back about 20 feet because it's all ice. Right. So you just slide right across. I slide. Yeah, yeah. If I had been stuck in mud, That's in end, grass right? even, yeah. I might have died. So it hit you from the front and then pushed yes. you back? Wow. Yes. Yeah, that's Pushed true. me all the way back. But now I'm behind this. Tr I am completely hidden now. Yeah. There is no... Nobody can see me. Right. Because I am, I am hidden by the entire uh, trailer. Yeah. My car is uh, pretty much demolished. Uh, I am bleeding. Yeah. I have, uh, uh, you know, different wounds in different places, my face and legs and everything else. And I am in a, I, I don't know what to do. So I'm calling back to the house right. in Cincinnati and I'm trying to get them to get somebody out there. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, we've called. And they said that they're heading out there. And 30 minutes goes by after that. 40 minutes, an hour, ultimately two hours. And then you were still on the phone. And I'm yeah. wondering if the phone's even going to, you know, short, short out. I right. just had one of those little Motorola sure. flip phones in those days. Yeah. And ultimately they had to, they got enough people out of there. I was one of the last people that they got out of there. It was like three hours and they brought a helicopter in and I helicoptered out of there. They took me to a, a local hospital in Amarillo and okay, I had this whole bad experience. It's a terrible experience, and I was kind of in shock, to be honest with you. I, you gotta be, yeah. And so I get to the hospital, and they and police officers mm -hmm. came in to see me to talk to me about this. Okay. And they they these cops were insinuating that I may have started the accident in a blizzard. What? And then they were asking no me idea. questions about, we found in your car um, uh, a Vicodin or muscle relaxers because of my back or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they were like, so were you intoxicated when this oh happened? Oh, my God. And I'm like, dude, was 50 other people intoxicated right. when this happened? Yeah. Everybody slid off the road. Right. And no, a blizzard. I, and no, I wasn't. Yeah. I have medication that I take with me i didn't take it yeah i was to, gonna take it at the hotel to, right, or whatever to yeah. drive yeah and so i got interrogated oh my god in the hospital <laughs> oh. by cops after all this happened wow yeah then they drove me these cops uh-huh drove me to a hotel um 
And uh, that was the, you know, the next day I, I scheduled a flight. Amy helped me get a flight. I flew back. Of course, my flight was delayed by two or three hours because sure. that's a guarantee. And yeah. then I wound yeah, up getting sure. back Christmas Eve, uh, late on Christmas Eve. Yeah. When people came to the airport. I think you guys might have come to get me on, on that. Yeah. Night. But, I so. but I, uh, but I was home in time for what we like to call the birth miss. Right. Yeah. So that, you know, <laughs> the birth That's miss all that matters. Andy's birthday. Right. So as, you know, you know we, most of us celebrate that yes. probably even more so than we do the, yes. the, 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 the Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah, I didn't realize you were interrogated. I didn't realize that there was even, I didn't realize you got hit. Were you trying, when you were calling back, were you trying to put on a bit of a brave face just to not worry everybody? I think I was just in, I was just or in you were shock. shock. Yeah. I think I, I really imagine. was just in shock. I yeah. Mean, I, I was, first of all, I, I was happy. If, you, if, it, if, it, if, if that word is applicable, I was happy that I wasn't dead because I saw the guy's face and the level of terror that was in his face. Uh, as he was approaching me in the yeah. in the in the uh, the truck, yeah, and the fact that he hit me and that I wasn't dead, yeah, and that I went, I mean, it was sheer luck that it was ice, right? And it was, it wouldn't happen if it wasn't ice to right. start with. The whole thing wouldn't have happened. But, but the irony was that ice was what allowed me, after the fact, to n walk away from that thing, right. because if I would have been stationary, as in hit me, I would, it would have just ripped through the car. Right, yeah. because It, it hit just, it yeah. and caused irreparable damage to the car, mm -hmm. but it didn't rip through the car and just... The odds were that if it would have done that, I would have been... Yeah, totally uh, With it, yeah. yeah. Wow. The you remember we, what... The, the things we do for our kids. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember, did you have like the life flash before your eyes thing? Or was it just like, oh, fuck, this is the end? Uh, I didn't have the life, I don't think there was enough time to be honest yeah. with you. I didn't, yeah. I didn't have that. I feel that. like that's probably a movie I thing. didn't have that. I just remember thinking this entire time I've been praying to God that no car hits me. Right. Much less. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I kept yeah. thinking at a car, because they were just sliding off the road right. left and right. And you're like a sitting duck at that point in time. Yeah. And you're thinking, somebody's going to hit me. Right. Somebody's going to hit me. And... I just remember thinking, oh, it wasn't a car. <laughs> yeah. Well, he answered my prayers. <laughs> right. It wasn't a car. Right. Yeah. It wasn't a car. It was a, the Stop. worst possible. Yeah. A big yeah. one. Big 18-wheeler, man. One of those bad boys that had, you know, the it had almost, well, I guess it had two separate. Yeah. Um, oh, looking like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like a, whatever, 36-wheeler. Yeah, something. whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge. Wow. It was huge, and it just it, it obscured anybody's view of me from that point. Nobody could see me, and I was just praying that you guys back here could touch base with the right people and explain right. yeah. what happened so right. somebody could find me. Because yeah. my car, I wasn't going to be able to keep it running forever and a day. Right, yeah. It didn't stop running, ironically. So wow, I didn't lose my good. heat. That's key, yeah. And if you would have walked outside, when I did walk outside eventually... It was one of the most brutal colds I'd ever faced in my entire life because the heat or the, the wind was blowing so hard yeah. and the snow was pelting your face like somebody was, you know, just throwing uh, icicles at your right. at your head. Yeah. That's what it felt like. So now uh was that the last tour you did with Buckville? 
No, I didn't. <laughs> was that the end of your no, career? No. <laughs> I, I, I did a tour with them. Uh, I did Warp Tour with them in 2011. Oh, okay. Well, they were a little Or 2013, warm. I'm sorry. 2013, yeah. I did Warp Tour with them in 2013. Yeah. But I didn't do the whole tour. The circumstances were a little different. And I only and I was on a bus. It was the summer. And it was the summer. <laughs> and I my primary job was to uh, sell merch. Yeah. Which I did. I would be at the merch thing and I would, you know. And then I also did a lot of video during that tour. Sure. Where yeah. I talked to fans. I videotaped them talking about the band. And uh, all those videos are still up on, on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. Anybody can check them out. Where during that portion of the of that I was on the Warp Tour, uh, I, I met with and talked to fans. The fans in those days were a lot younger right. than they are now. Uh, right. The fans of Blackfell, obviously, have they've grown up with the band, and in particular, uh, you know, Andy's fans, who with Andy Black um, are, uh, you know, it's a more mature group, I, I guess you could say. Sure. Yeah. So... It's, you know, I don't, I'd like to do that uh, in the future to interview his fans at a, like a warp tour scene or right. something along those lines uh, and see the difference between right. the kind of people that are in the kind of the age group of the kids. But I kind of know it because I, I, I talk to people on social media all the time. Right. And I know that the, the fan base is much older. The whole premise, the whole, that whole easy trope that people like to roll out about preteens and teens right. and all the, it's just not a, it's not correct. Right. You can say that if you like, if that's easy, if it makes it easy for you right. or if it makes it uh, something that uh, that fits the narrative that you want that uh, Andy uh, is for preteens, but I don't if you go to a show, you know that's not the case. Mm -hmm. There's dudes there, there's all kinds of people of different ages. Yeah. There's people that like rock and roll for Andy Black, there's people who there's a lot of people who appreciate that 80s uh that 80s alternative that pop type. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. love, you know, you know, bands like uh, like uh, Duran Duran and right. Spandau Ballet and Depeche Mode and you mm -hmm. know bands that we used to see on MTV back in the day when I was a kid and were on there routinely. Right, Adam Ant, Billy Idol, that right. was the the core people that like that stuff are very uh, um, interested in what Andy's doing with mm -hmm. this with the yeah. Andy Black thing. Right. Well. I'm glad you're here to tell the story. Thank you. <laughs> so am I. I made it ten. I made it ten more years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would, I'd have missed out on a lot if I hadn't. <laughs> if I hadn't made it past then, I'd have seen Annie's very first tour, and that'd have been that it. That would have been it. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, thanks. Thanks a lot for coming on. I'm glad I could uh, text you and. You're a good man, Joe. Happen. I'll well, tell you that. I learned from the best. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I am his favorite uncle. It's true. It's true. That was the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to Chris for coming on. It was uh, great seeing him. And I hope, uh, hope you got some chuckles out of that conversation. If you enjoyed it, give us that five stars. Just do it. Just do it. Uh, that's all I've got for this week. Thank you for watching or listening. And until next Wednesday, keep laughing. <laughs>